Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean Mountains right here in Israel. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. And I pray that you will find this all of those. Through this program, we are excited to be connecting you to people and stories in and related to Israel to give you a window to look through about aspects of life here in Israel that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions or comments, or feel free to visit our website at genesis123.co. Also, feel free to share this with people who you know who will find it of interest. This is a special episode that was recorded as one of our Inspiration from Zion webinars a year ago on the anniversary of the massacre of Israel's Olympic team at the 1972 Munich Olympics. We're hosting two current Israeli Olympians and the widow of one of the 11 murder athletes. It's long, but very important this week, the week also of the anniversary of the terror attack of September 11th in the United States. So we're airing it again here in the hope that you will find something meaningful and engaging that's relevant to this season. You're not going to want to miss it. Um, so first, uh, again, I want to thank our sponsors for, for today's program, um, the Atlanta Israel Coalition and Host Ministries. Um, I especially want to thank the, the panelists uh, today, uh, who I will introduce momentarily, but for making time and for what I, I'm sure will be a really uh, thoughtful and engaging conversation. Um, of course, anyone who wants to share this afterward, uh, we'll be sending a video out and we're always welcoming more sponsors for our future events. Um, this is a series. The inspiration from Zion is something that we launched earlier this year with the uh, as a mission of the Genesis 123 Foundation. Hey, Beatty, we see you, but you don't need to be on yet. You can t take a minute and, and just relax. There we go. Uh, she had some traffic, but we'll, we'll get to you. Take a, take a breath. We're glad you're here. Um, but yeah, so the uh, Genesis 123 Foundation's mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new and unique and meaningful. And what and what that um, and what that means is we're trying to do things that are just different, create bridges and engage people in ways that haven't been done yet. And this we're we're very pleased that this is one of them. But also we're pleased, and this so you're going to get to meet some of our board members uh, tonight, and others are participating as uh, as uh, panelists, and others are participating just as observers today. We've got a great diverse board of Jews and Christians from all over the world. And one of the things that's so nice about that is that we all approach uh, what unites us, the things that we find in common between Jews and Christians, but each with respect from our own respective uh, traditions. Uh, we, we spend a lot of time talking about God of Israel, the land of Israel, the people of Israel, and of course the state of Israel. And so it's wonderful to have the privilege of being the president of the organization that's doing so much and glad you could join us today and hope you will continue in the future. Um, before we begin, I want to just ask you, as you have questions, 
uh, which I hope you will, please use the Q&A section. Um, and also, uh, please, if you can, since we have three panelists today, um, identify who you're asking the question of and, uh, and, and, and in the form of a question. Sometimes people are making statements and I'm not sure if it's meant to be a question or not. So just ask it as a question and let us know um, who you are uh, interested in hearing the answer from, and we will do our best to get through as many of the questions uh, through the time uh, allotted this evening. And honestly, because this is unique, in just a moment before I introduce the panelists, um, this is the first time that we've done three different people. So I really have, have to admit, we're well prepared, but I have no way, no idea how this is going to go. So bear with us. We've got three fabulous people and I'm looking forward to having the privilege of engaging each of them directly, but also that they can dialogue be because they have uh, something in common connecting, uh, connecting them as Israelis and, uh, and with the Olympics. So with that, let me uh, just start and they can, oops, there, there we go. They can start uh, turning on their cameras. <coughs> and microphones as, they, as they're uh, introduced. Uh, first, we have Anki Spitzer. Um, Anki's a fabulous woman. I've known of her for, for a very long time through mutual connections and, uh, and also uh, a sad part of our history. Um, she's the widow of Andre Spitzer, who was the fencing coach of the 1972 Israel Olympic team. Uh, Andre, unfortunately, and 10 other Israeli Olympians were murdered by, by uh, the terrorists, if you're not familiar with the background, we will share that with you. And we're, we're grateful that you're here, Anki. Um, we timed tonight's uh, program smack in the middle of the secular anniversary of the, of the uh, attack on uh, September 5th. And the, oh, I love your medals, Ori. And the, um, and the, uh, the Hebrew anniversary, which is taking place uh, this coming week. So we're really thrilled you're here. Anki is a Dutch native. She has been in Israel since the, the early 70s. Um, I don't know how much of her story we're gonna get to get into tonight, but I had the privilege of speaking about really the love story that brought her here, connecting to the land and of course with Andre. Um, she's a Dutch native and, and uh, for the last 30 years has served as the correspondent for Dutch and uh, Belgian television and radio here. Um, I, I, I would speculate, uh, Anki, that probably other than Dutch speakers, you would be really happy if none of us knew you and you were just a journalist. Um, but we're thrilled that you're here with us as a uh, voice, a moral voice, a, a voice of somebody who stood up and uh, helped face some of the challenges that we've had as a, as a nation and as a people. Um, I, I do want to acknowledge some of the things that you've done in terms of leading a campaign to get the Germans to acknowledge uh, their culpability in the failed rescue of the athletes and, uh, and also um, the, the, the IOC, uh, International Olympic Committee, to be sure to hold a moment of silence um, in memory of the, 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 our athletes. So I hope we'll get to speak about that. Um, Ori Sasson, uh, who's great, set himself up with pro probably that's just a fraction of his medals that we're seeing. Uh, he's probably got another whole all of them uh, somewhere else in his home. Um, or he's a Jerusalem native, the only one of our panelists today who's actually born here in Israel. Um, and I'm dying to learn to tell if you will tell us later about your family's background um, and, and when they came to Israel. Um, he's dedicated most of his life to judo and he's quite accomplished. He's won gold medals in international competitions in Prague, Tbilisi, and Estonia. 
He's won silver medals uh, in Azerbaijan, and I think there was another place, but forgive me. And of course, the 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 Olympic medal, uh, the bronze medal in Rio four years ago in 2016. Um, of course, Ori and Beatty, who I'll introduce in a moment as well, we so much would much rather having this conversation with you just back from Tokyo, having had amazing experiences this year, but unfortunately the Olympics, like many other things, are on hold. So we'll talk about what's coming up for the rescheduled Olympics. Um, one of the reasons, other than the fact that Ori is, is a a, a giant here in Israel. And in fact, my son's watching Ori. He's uh, a big fan, so you can see Mari Yishai in a few minutes. Um, one of the reasons that Ori's known, of course, is that he's a growing number of Olympians who have taken home medals uh, from the Olympics, and we're thrilled about that. But unfortunately, he also faced a really unusual challenge uh, in a competition that didn't happen against an Iranian who withdrew and a competition which he won against an Egyptian on his way to the bronze medal in 2016, uh, which had an unpleasant ending, albeit that Ori won the, won the match and ultimately his medal. And we'll talk about that soon, but, but connecting uh, Anki, from, Anki and Andre from 48 years ago and, and, and you four years ago, <laughs> Um, and BD, I want to talk about you. We're, we're, we're a great nation, but we're a great a nation that unfortunately still faces challenges. Um, BD is a uh, New Jersey native like I am, um, and she's outstanding on a whole number of levels because she's not just the first Orthodox woman who's ever qualified to uh, represent Israel in the Olympics as a marathon runner, but she runs, as you see, dressed according, addressed modestly according to Jewish tradition. Um, he's won in Israel, uh, the Tiberias Marathon, Jerusalem Marathon, and the Israel Half Marathon, forgive me if I'm uh, missing one. And, and one of the things that I think is so cool that you have the distinction of running the Tel Aviv Marathon while seven, seven months pregnant um, and finishing in a time that's, that's awesome for anybody. Um, pregnant or not. So, so Kola Kavod, uh, she also ran her first international marathon earlier this year, uh, excuse me, last year, and, uh, and one in Riga as well. So she's, again, qualified. We would have loved for her to be uh, showing us her medal from, from uh, Tokyo this year. Hopefully that'll be for ne from next year. Um, but one of the challenges that, that makes Beatty uh, also unique is that as an Orthodox woman, when her race was moved to Saturday, to Shabbat, she, she elected to uh, forfeit the opportunity to participate rather than violating the Shabbat. And Bidi, I hope we'll have a chance to talk about that and how you're reaching out to appeal to the International Olympic Committee so that hopefully when you qualify for, uh, for the rescheduled marathon, it will be on one of the six other days of the week and you can show the world what you've got. Um, sure. Let's jump into some questions. Um, I have uh, two questions generally and then and a dialogue and hopefully people will pop up and we're going to do our best to ask questions. Again, everyone, please use the Q&A um, format. But uh, the three of you each have different unique stories as far as your family experience that brought you to Israel. And I'd like to ask if you could just briefly share what motivated that. Um, what was unique um, in your own family experience as far as fulfilling being here now and fulfilling uh, the prophetic and gathering of the exiles? Um, Bidi, alphabetically, would you like to begin? Can, one, one second. Can you start with someone else? Because my kids yes. are a little Yes, They haven't gotten to <laughs> 
Ori, as the as the native Israeli whose family made Aliyah, tell us about that. First of all, hi everyone. I'm very happy to be with you tonight. Hi, Anki. Uh, hi, hi. Thanks, Jonathan, for this amazing opportunity. Um, actually, my story is um, well. I born in Jerusalem, born and raised. Um, started to train in judo since I was nine years old because of my brother alone, which and he was the Israeli champion uh, for a long, long time. And he was kind of my model. I wanted to be like him. And I remember one day he told me, Oi, come, try, try, try this uh, amazing sport. I told him, no way. I prefer to be in my house, play the PlayStation, be, be with my friends. <laughs> why should I uh, put some uh, unif white uniform on me and trying to do some stuff? I, I want to be in my comfort zone. And so suddenly I, 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 uh, I changed my mind. And I remember that the first time I was uh, playing judo, I just fell in love. Fall in love in the, in the smart, in the smart, in the, the, the smart way to throw your opponent on the back and on the same time respect him. Um, you can be your, your best friend uh, before the fight and after the fight, but during the fight, you're playing together this beautiful game. And I felt like I had a more, much more confident uh, training after training. And my dream was to be like Alon, like him. He was the European champion. He won uh, the title when he was 19. Uh, as a child, I saw him and uh, was ve and felt very proud. And of course, my family supported all the time. With uh, and uh, you know, I just wanted to be like Alon. But in the end, I wanted to be like Ori and <laughs> to bring Olympic medal for Israel and all the medals you see here. Uh, they are part from the from the big medal, from the Olympic medal, uh, mm -hmm. the European Championship. The, that one is uh, I won in the, in the Kazan, silver medal in 2015. Uh, this one from Abu Dhabi, when ah. they took our flags out. We're gonna talk about it later. I have a lot of stories from from each medal, for each medal. But of course, the main the main medal is the Olympic. Um, Olympic bronze medal I won in Rio 2016. Sure. Um, it was an amazing moment for me, for actually for the whole country. Um, and since then, I'm just trying to get another medal for Israel, for me, and just doing what God I love, willing. representing Israel. God willing, you do it well. Ori, just for a moment before I go to the, to the other uh, panelists, Tell us, if I'm not mistaken, your family, someone in your family came from, uh, oh, uh, where originally? Um, okay, my mom, who, my mom. Who, who made Aliyah and when and why? My mom came from Romania. My grandfather was uh, in, the, in the Holocaust. He was a survivor. And uh, she came <laughs> when she was uh, four years old. My father born in Israel, but his father born in, in Persian. And so my, I'm a half Persian, half Romanian. Got it. And got it. Good. Again, a beautiful, a beautiful depiction of the ingathering of the exiles, and, and a beautiful representative of Israel. Um, Anki, can we can we uh, go to you? You've got also a great story, originally from uh, from Holland. Tell us about uh, 
what what brought you here briefly we'll get into that a little bit more on a personal basis and uh and 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 uh, being the veteran that you are well first of all thank you very much donathan for having me and i would like to really send my good greetings first of all to Bidi. i admire her for the things that she is doing with five kids doing this top sport is really really amazing and then my very well good greetings to my dear friend Ori. He is not only a top athlete, he is also a top human being. So I'm very yeah. <clears throat> honored that I'm together with, these, with you guys. So for me, it was a very simple reason why I came to Israel. And it's almost 50 years ago that I did so. Um, I'm from Holland, and was living in Holland. And then I decided to take up fencing. And the first um, club was the Abrahams Club, you know, alphabetic order. So I, I phoned and I went there and I had a, a coach there who spoke Dutch, but he had a slight accent. So I thought he came from East Europe or something. I had no idea. And then at one point I found out that he was from Israel. And the rest is history because I just followed him to Israel because he was in Holland for two years to become a better national trainer. And he was supposed to go back. And I went back to him uh, with him. And we were living on the Lebanese border. And I come from, uh, from The Hague, you know, with the concert halls and with ballet and, and whatever you want. And I was suddenly found myself on the Lebanese border in this small settlement. But I, that was the most beautiful year in my life. And I've never, ever regretted that I made that step. And I'm still here. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Beedi, how about you? You're the newest immigrant, uh, the newest Israeli among us. Uh, what motivated that? Tell us about your, your return home. It's funny because when you mentioned like always from Jerusalem, I wanted to be like, well, I'm also from Jerusalem. Like I almost consider Jerusalem my home, even though I only made Aliyah, um, I made Aliyah like 11 years ago. Um, but I was very blessed that my my parents used to bring us to Israel for all the holidays, for Pe Passover, Sukkot, and Shavuot. And it really gave me an opportunity just to feel like this is my land, like I'm so comfortable here. When I came to Israel the year after high school, I was 18 and I said, I'm never leaving. Like, this is, this is it, I'm here for good. And that's true, the next year I met my husband in Israel and I, I told him we're staying, we're staying put, we're not moving anywhere else. And we got married and moved right back to Israel. And I am very, very blessed to be here. Um, every, every, every day it grows even fonder for me. Like I, I just, I, I feel so lucky that I'm living here and there's nothing like being home. It's really home for me. That's right. Now, just uh, as an aside, how many of your kids were born here? Oh, all so, of them because you, you, uh, so four out of my five kids were born here because we did we did like a mission in tucson arizona for two years we worked with jewish college students on campus nice. knowing we were going to come back to israel so one of my children was born in tucson got arizona but the rest <laughs> were born here got it okay terrific um before we continue with some questions um again we're here the we can't forget and and i don't think it can be overstated the um the significance of this week. It's not the 40th anniversary. It's not the 50th anniversary yet. Um, but this week was the anniversary all the same of the terror attack that, that uh, in which Andre was murdered and, and 10 other of our athletes. Um, we have a video that was um, 
from the live broadcast on the US uh, television at that time. I'd just like to share it to set the, set the tone of some of our other dialogue. Go ahead, Virginia. During the uh, attack and initial attack and, and hostage taking, and Anki, of course, feel free to correct me if I'm missing something. Um, Jim McKay, who was the US broadcaster at the time, Kate was waking up in the middle of the night and was, was asked to come on. And he broadcast, as I understand, for 14 hours nonstop. Uh, and he, when you follow other videos of his, he talks about that being one of the most critical events in his broadcasting career. Um, and so you're seeing that with him broadcasting what was happening there. There was initially a belief that the hostages were okay. And then there was the horrible news that they had all been killed. And you see him reporting at the very end. I don't know if we'll get to see it, but it's on our, it's on our um, YouTube page, if anyone would like to go and see in a longer interview with him, talking about how you know, it, was, it was not correct and, and the hostages, the Israeli Olympic team, were, were all gone. Um, setting that stage, I mean, I, I, I watched that today in preparation. Anki, I can't imagine that doesn't stir lots of emotions with you. And, and Bidi and Ori, I'm curious if each of you would share just from your own perspective, or you've been in the Olympics, Bidi, you've not yet been there, but you, God willing, will. Um, and, and Anki, this is part of your, your personal history. It's not just a, a national history. How does the memory of the terror attack motivate you and your preparations for the Olympic Games, whether you're training as, as the two of you are, or Anki, as you're making plans to go? Um, and, and if you don't mind, Anki, I'd like to start with the, with the others because they're the ones who, uh, who, who, are, who are actively training to represent us in the coming year. Bidi, um, you haven't been there yet. Where, where does that come into your consciousness when you're, when you're training? Um, well, first of all, you know, just like realizing what it means to, to be a visibly observant Jewish woman on an international stage and, you know, the weight of that. And I mean, it definitely was something I thought about when I went public kind of with a request to ask the Olympic committee to, to possibly accommodate, you know, my being able to race in the marathon and switch the date of the women's marathon from from Shabbat to Friday and just realizing like this is not the first time that there have been you know that it's not it's not always easy to be to be a Jew in this world and that if we but we have to be able to continue to speak up and be proud of it and not let the unfortunately I didn't I'm not saying I, f I feel any any hate as a result of as what what I'm experiencing, but just realizing that what what athletes have gone through in the past, like it also makes me appreciate like appreciate the opportunities that I have and not to take it for granted and that we can you know can compete safely and you know recognize every time we go out like you know just that it's a blessing that we're able to have that opportunity. Sure. Um, I'm honestly really humbled to be sharing this panel with Anki. Like, it's just, it's very inspiring to hear, you know, you're a woman of so much strength. And I really can't imagine what it would, what it's like for any of those families. My, my heart really breaks because, and it's just, you know, it's, to me, sport is the, is the, is the opportunity for us to all come together. It, it breaks down so many barriers. 
it's a way for us to connect on such a universal human level. And it's so devastating to think that in an arena of the Olympics where the goal is to un unite us, that something like that could happen. So it's really, when I think about it, that's, that's what saddens me the most. And I just, you. you know, pray that we continue to be, to, to, to move past such incidents like that and only bring, bring more unity through sport. Thank you. Beautiful. Uh, Ori, without getting into the specifics of uh, 2016, we'll come up to that. You, I, Anki shared with me that there's a memorial that you go to before you um, before you leave as an Olympic team. Tell me about how does how does the Munich impact Ori Sasson uh, training and, and competing? Well, I heard about uh, what what happened in Munich since I was very very young, uh, and I, I met uh, Anki in. Uh, I think a few, maybe one month before the, before I went, before I float, before I flew to the Olympic Games, uh, we went all the team together to the monument, I think I said it right, in uh, Tel Aviv, of all the, all the sportsmen that died in uh, Minch, and you can't, when you stand there, when you're standing there and hearing the stories, and see the sadness in, in the face of Anki and the, and the other families, you f I felt that my goal is to, to bring Olympic medal for those people. This is what I felt. Because I know that how much they suffer all those years. And for me, it's like a boost of motivation, not hate, motivation. Um, to prove everyone that Israel is here forever. And when I won the Olympic medal, this is the first thing I, I felt. I felt like I did the right thing for my country. So I take all those things um, to a good way. When I'm going, when I'm on my way to the fight, I think about the, the, the flag. It's not a regular flag. It's a really special flag. Very important flag for me, deep in my heart. And I hope one day all those things will be out, out of the sports. This is my hope. I think, so I agree with Batel. We just want to, to make our dream come through without any hate. Just Beautiful. hope. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Anki, before you, uh, before you talk about it, again, we'll get into some specifics, but maybe generally, because you do follow and you're, you're at the Olympics on a, uh, on a regular basis. There's a woman, Darlene Herman, who's uh, watching now and she's just sending her best. She was there. Um, in Munich, a 13-year-old, um, and her father, her stepfather was working for a good year, which I guess must have been one of the sponsors of the Olympics, and, and that was a, a, a memory of hers as well. But share your memory. You go, you, you're still traveling around the world, and I don't know how many Olympics you've been to in recent years, and if that's, a, if that's an every four-year thing, but, but how does that motivate you still? How, what, what, what are, what's, what's, what's driving you vis-a-vis -vis the Olympics and, and Munich? Well, you see, Jonathan, I think for every athlete, you know, the biggest dream is not only going to the world championships or to the European championship. The biggest dream is to go to the Olympics. Why? Because everybody wants to be part of this festival of brotherhood and peace and love. And, you know, with the expectation that you can change the world and meet people that otherwise you wouldn't be able to meet. And for us, athletes like uh, Beatty and, and, and Ori, you know, there for us, the families, you know, our hope and our, the answer to everything that happened there in Munich. So for us, it's 
extremely important to be there with them because they opened the, the, the way for us to see the future and have hope that the Olympic idea is still alive. I still, I, personally, I still believe in the Olympic idea, even after all that happens, because I believe that people can get together by meeting each other, by not uh, taking care of borders or race or gender or whatever. And the, the biggest uh, um, example, if I may give it to you, the, Andre and I were in the Olympic Village together in Munich. And at one point he saw the Lebanese team and the, the fencing team. And he said, Anki, I'm going to speak to them. I said, are you crazy? You know, they are our enemies. You know, we have a war with uh, Lebanon. And he said, well, that's exactly why I'm here for. Here there are no borders. And I stayed a little bit behind and, and he went there and, he, and I saw that he spoke to the people and they shook hands. And I will never forget when he turned around and he came back to me with a huge smile on his face and he said, you see, Anki, that's why I came here for. And I will never forget that. So I still believe in the Olympic ideas and athletes like Beatty and Ori and the other Olympic candidates, you know, there are for me the hope that someday it will be like Ori just said, like he wanted to be. Beautiful. Thank you. So, so let me, let me jump into some more specific questions for each of you. And, and I hope this, by the way, this can be a dialogue. It's, I actually feel personally, if nothing else comes out of our uh, conversation tonight, the fact that I have the privilege of bringing the three of you together like this, where you're each kind of connecting and touching and, and inspiring and it's just, for me, that's a privilege. So, so thank you for that. It's beautiful. We'll do this again. We'll do we'll do this again after we after you come home from Tokyo, the two of you with medals. Okay, is that a deal? Uh, in real life. <laughs> in real life. You're on. You're on. Uh, Anki, you just shared that beautiful story, which I had read about online with uh, Andre uh, reaching out to the to the Lebanese team. Many people may be watching this, never heard of. Munich never knew that there was a terror attack, um, and and conversely, many people like myself know it significantly, and it's a and it's a part of our our consciousness and history. What can you share that may that that may be least known among the least known things that happened then, but that's most significant? And I and you, and you probably just did, but share us another one. What other what's something really significant that happened in any context of Munich? Um, that, that, that we probably don't, don't know about? Well, you know, I think that, you know, our fight to have a minute of silence at the opening ceremony at the Olympics is not only because I want everybody to know who was Andrei Spitzer. I know who he was, and that's, and that's more than enough. And my daughter, who was only a little baby of two months old when her father was killed, uh, she knows who he is because of my, my, my uh, stories that I tell her. But I want the world to stand still for a moment. And I want the International Olympic Committee at the opening ceremony of the Olympics, when there are millions of people watching, and when you know, 10,000 athletes are standing out in the field, when they open the games, when they march in and everything. So then I want them to say, let us not forget what yes. happened in Munich so that it will never happen again. That is the message. Everybody should take a vow when they're standing there and say, I am going to do it differently. I am here with athletes from all over the world and we will have to communicate and everything that happened in Munich that should never happen again. That is really my message. That's why I want to do it. 
there is no, I cannot understand why the International Olympic Committee doesn't do this because we have been fighting this for 48 years, going to all the Olympics, knocking on every door and writing every letter that's possible and trying to explain why we find it uh, important, not out of hatred or, or any negative things. We want it to be positive. And then they tell us, you know, well, it, it's too early. You are bringing politics into the Olympic Games. You know, the, it's the biggest uh, political organization uh, that exists. But anyways, you know, so, and uh, you shouldn't do this now. And, and it's not the time yet, you know. And we say, look, we want this to happen. And then I will go home. Because if you don't do, this is justice. To, you owe it to these people because they were part of your Olympic family. They were not just uh, accidental tourists, you know. They were part of the Olympic family and they were killed inside the Olympic Games. So the least you can do is stand up and give them a minute of silence for positive uh, reasons. And that's what we are fighting. We haven't gotten it yet. We have made a little bit of progress in Rio. They had a... Um, a meeting in the inside the Olympic Village with a minute of silence, and I said to the president of the Olympic Committee, I said, "You made a historic step because we have been waiting for this for such a long yes. time, but it is not enough. I'm still waiting in Tokyo that you're going to open the games and say something about it." And I said, "And you will not get rid of me. I'm already old, <laughs> but if I cannot do it anymore, my children and the children of my children they will come after you until you do the right thing." because the world should remember. Because who, who doesn't remember history, he doesn't have a future, that's all. Well, you, first of all, amen, thank you, and, and, and God willing, that will be realized uh, in Tokyo 2021 or, or, or the following year, yeah. uh, wherever that, I don't know where that's supposed to be. Um, and, and as you speak about your children, I think we all watching, whether we're Jews or Christians, can take on that responsibility and help speak out and we'll be in touch, we'll stay in touch with you and share with our participants and followers here how we can be involved with that. Uh, Ori, before we talk about your Olympic experience, um, just, just again, something a little more personal. You, you mentioned earlier that you started uh, judo as a young child, uh, which means that you also um, had in the middle of that, approximately the middle, your, your army service here. Tell us about your army service and how were you able to keep up with, uh, with training? Okay, first of all, I wanna say um, for Anki that I was there in, the, in Rio, standing one minute for, uh, for uh, all the people who died in Milch and I think it was a big winning uh, deserve to because of Anki. And, you know, I won the medal, but she won. She won for all of us. We stand there and we were, and we were so excited. Really, it was amazing. So thank you for that. Thank you, thank you for that. About your question. Um, in Israel, if you, if, you are, if you are an Israeli champion, you, are, you have the ability to, to go to the army a few times a week. Uh, on the same time, training morning and evening in the Wingate Institute. This place located uh, near to Netanya, 20 minutes from Tel Aviv. So I used to, to go to the, uh, to the base in Tel Aviv, Kriya it's called. And from there I went to, came back to, the, to Wingate training and again and again and again. Actually the country uh, support me a lot in this case and helped me to, to not 
to not miss training. Otherwise, this is very important time uh, period. When you're 18 until 21, you need, you need to be stronger. You need to be uh, more, con more confident. If you don't train enough, it can really hurt you. So uh, I was lucky to have uh, a good commando um, officer, I think, officer. Yes. Uh, who helped me a lot. Great, great. Glad to hear that. Uh, now before, I like to uh, jump into the experience in Rio, but before I do, hopefully the video will work this time. I want to pull up the video of the end of your match from, uh, from uh, Rio against the Egyptian competitor. Hopefully the audio will work. No, the audio is not working, but you can see what's happening there. Just leave it on for a minute, Virginia. Uh, it's okay. Let it keep going. What we see is this is right after the match. I've watched this a number of times. Ori, I'm sure you stream it. Well, Sasson went over to shake his hand and he, he backed off. So if you want to call that a bow, there it was. That's uh, very disappointing. Now, we talk about that's what the Olympics is about. That's what it's not about. And to his credit, uh, Sasson is just moving on with the cape. We'll get a look at the replay of how it happened, but just spend a second on, on what we saw there. Well, Mark, you're an outsider coming in, uh, having a look here at how, you know, the... the rules of our sport dictate uh, absolute respect for the opponent. I think that was the end of it. Uh, oh, we were seeing the beginning of it again. But you know, yeah, Virginia, you can stop that now. Um, so when I first paid attention to that video for tonight's program, I thought, wow, what horrible audio. It's so noisy there. And then I realized instantly, and then you hear it in the uh, in the narration of what's going on is that the whole crowd is booing your competitor. Um, what was that like? You know that that we unfortunately we also know you not just from the bronze but from that experience. Um, how did you feel after defeating him? But how did you feel uh, after he wouldn't shake your hand and? Okay, so let's that? start in the beginning when I was in uh, my parents' house in Jerusalem. I heard I'm, I'm going to be against this uh, Egyptian fighter, El Shabi, his name. Um, I knew it's going to be a very difficult fight, not only because he's judo style, um, because all the country going to speak about it. You know, the media, the, the articles, he's going to show in the fight. He's, he's not going to show. I was really stressed. And a few moments before the fight, uh, I felt his, uh, I felt he was really nervous. I was nervous. And I felt like it's not a fight only, only about our dream. It's a fight for the, for the whole country, for each one. But I remind myself that I cannot bring the, politica, the politics to the sport. I just went to the fight doing my best job, judo, throwing him on his back. And deep inside, I, ha I, was, I, had, I believed but if I'm going to shake his hand, even though I know the Egyptian fighter, most of the time they don't shake our hands. But I was really, really believed that in this crazy event, when all the, all the people all over the world watch it, he will do it. He will shake my hand. Uh, it was opportunity for something positive, for something better for the world. But he denied. And, and of course, I heard all the boo. 
but I was so focusing on the next fight that actually I just went out, came back to the backstage and focused on the next fight. That was all, only when I finished the, the competition, I, I saw all the messages from people all over the world, actually from Egypt, people who ignore what, what he did, um, people from Israel, and you know, people rem remember me more than, more than the Olympics, remember me because of the situation, but I don't think it's good. I mean, I prefer they will remember me for, for the medal, not for the, for the bad thing that happened. Well, for the medal, but I'd also just want to comment and first being a tremendous somebody I, I saw comments that are coming in. Somebody who's here in Israel is really proud of you and how you've represented us and grateful for that. Uh, we all are. I mean, that's that's just one of the comments that's come in. Um, but but it shows that you're a professional, that this is you and you've you really and you you're not letting the the, the noise get into well, your head. No, it's in judo. One of the most important thing is to respect your opponents. The Olympism uh, build on respect and and the values and all those stuff. I don't know uh, something else. This yeah. this is what I'm doing since I was a child. Going to the mat, doing uh, like this, shake the hand of my friend, and it was for me. It was really a regular act acting. But I know for the I know. I know that for the other people, for other people from all over the world, it was really strange to see someone trying to shake hands and someone ignoring. I know. Sure, sure. Well, thank you, thank you for that, and I'm glad that uh, those watching now and those who will watch uh, by video, um, just as you said so beautifully, you don't want to be known for that incident. You want to be known for the medal, and I hope you'll be known for uh, uh, a gold in the next one. Um, but I also am glad that we have the privilege of you sharing that little bit so people get to know what's inside your heart. And, and I'm grateful for that. Um, Beatty, if we can move on to you. Um, uh, you're, I guess, well, tell us how you evolved from being the, the mother of four, eventually five, to now being uh, an Israeli Olympian in such a short time, specifically that you only began running if I'm not mistaken, in 2016. Yeah, so I ran my first marathon in February 2016. Um, I really never, ever thought it was going to take me where it took me. Um, I was just like one of those moms trying to get back in shape, you know, had four kids in six years. Um, and I was really hooked on running from the beginning. And I did see that I, like, the first thing I learned that I always share is just that we have so much more strength within us than we realize. And, you know, when I ran that first marathon, four months before, when I signed up for it, my husband asked me like, so do you think you can finish the marathon in four and a half hours? We're doing the math, that's 10 minutes per mile. And I was like, no way, no, 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 no pressure. Like the only thing in my mind was like, I'm gonna finish, right? I don't want any pressure, no time. And about a month before the marathon, my husband actually suggested, like, maybe, maybe you should set a time goal for yourself, see what you're capable of. And he encouraged me to, like, go out and run a half marathon um, time trial. And I did that by myself. I ran 13 laps around the park in Jerusalem, Gansakar. And I came back and I told him, you know, I'd been feeling good. By the end, I got faster and faster. And I was like, oh, it took me an hour and 41 minutes. And he told me based on that, I should be able to run the marathon in three and a half hours. And I remember when he said that, I was like, 
you're nuts. Like that, it was the most terrifying thing. But he really encouraged me to, he got me a watch, he programmed it. And by the time, and I ran that first race in three hours and 27 minutes. And by the end of the race, I was passing every runner there. <laughs> and it showed me that the greatest, the only way we grow in life, the greatest growth in life happens when we step out of our comfort zone. And we can only discover who we're meant to be when we take those risks and do those things that are uncomfortable. Like if I had said, oh, I want to be comfortable. I don't want pressure. I don't want to push myself. I really wouldn't be sharing my story tonight. I, I would never have even known that I was a good runner because I, I never ran fast when I was training. And only because I said, okay, I have this goal. I'm going to take this risk. I'm going to do something. I have no idea whether I'll succeed or fail at it, but I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and go for it. And that's what led me down the path. Now, even at the time, I didn't think I was training for Olympic medals. I just thought I like running and I'm good at it. And it evolved. I, I, I ran a marathon the following year, seven months pregnant. And then after that, I was like, hey, maybe I could win a race. I, I won the Jerusalem marathon. And then, and then I started to train more seriously. And, and I won the Israel National Championship Marathon in 2019. And at that time, I ran a 242, which was, you know, at the time under the qualification for the 2016 Olympics. So, so that's when Israel reached out to me and said, like, they didn't know who I was. They're like, who, where'd you come from? You know, <laughs> um, but they said, we'd like to like, you know, help support you in training. And right. I was really, and I, I will just say that running is, it's totally a gift from God. Like, I don't take it for granted. I, you know, obviously every, every athlete knows you have to put hard work in, but for me, it's really important to remind myself and always say like, I can't take the credit for this. The fact that I've done so well, the fact that I've run one races, it's complete. Uh-oh. You there? We lost you. Is it just me? No, she's out. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to come back, Beatty. We're waiting for you to come back. Um, that's actually really beautiful. I hope that we'll get you back soon because I have a follow-up question to that. Um, so, Ori, let me just go back. I mean, maybe I think maybe you answered it, but when you're competing uh, and you, you're going all over the world, so you're competing, you had an experience where there was an Iranian who refused to, to compete against you. Are you mindful of international diplomacy? Are you, you talked about how you thought maybe the Egyptian wouldn't shake your hand and they don't do that. Um, and have you ever experienced other problems or, or t tell us about that? Well, um... 2011, I fought in uh, European Open, uh, if I'm not wrong, uh, Kazakhstan. Uh, I drew against an uh, Iranian fighter in the semifinal, and he won't show up. And so I was automatically, I went, uh, I, I went to the final. Uh, when I finished the competition with silver medal, I saw his... Uh, I saw him in the backstage um, crying, and I felt so sorry about it because wow. I knew I know that he didn't want to to quit. He wanted to fight against me. He's, he was very talented. He was uh, bronze in the world. Someone with really tough, tough, tough judo style. But because of his country, he couldn't he couldn't fight. So this was. And since then, I, I know every time I saw him, I, I felt like 
I want to give him a hug. But you can't do it. You can't do it in the, in, because they don't talk to us, the, the Iranian fighter. Um, only the one who, fought, who fight against Sagi Muki. Right. They really love Israel. Have accommodated 
Um, they made accommodations for Muslim athletes in 2012. They didn't change around the, the dates, but they changed endurance events to be earlier in the schedule. They worked with them. So there is a precedent for it. And, and I want to, you know, if I can't run in the race, that's fine. Like, I know there'll be other opportunities. And to me, I always say, like, the thing, the only thing I take with me from this world is like the choices I make and staying committed to my values and beliefs is the most important thing I could do. So that's something I'll take with me for the rest of my life for forever. That's eternity. So, you know, even if it's, it's unfortunate that I work really hard to get there and I'm not able to compete, um, it's something I'll do very proudly. That's, that's beautiful. And it kind of connects to what Ori was saying in terms of his human seeing the Iranian uh, competitor crying and 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 even Anki what you were saying something that that Andre exhibited um, by reaching out to the to the Lebanese team um, the way he did and I, and I don't know if that's universal uh, among among all athletes I guess all athletes are human so we have our flaws and and, and limitations but I think that's um, really beautiful um, uh, Anki looking not looking back, but but what could you have imagined in the aftermath of, of Munich that we would be in a situation here that we've got Ori representing us who brought home medals and several others who have brought home medals and Beatty in the in the in the such of the unique position that she is electing not even to go because of her religious observance. What do you how, how, what do you think about that with in your with your historical uh, perspective, but also as a journalist today. Well, first of all, I greatly admire, you know, the, the whole human attitude of Ori, you know, towards these other athletes and definitely also the whole attitude of Bidi because that's, they go for their principles and it's, that's excellent. And I think that Israeli sports will have a future because everybody is dedicated. And what happened in Munich 48 years ago, you know, it's still resounding today, but we have to look forward. And we have to, you know, I, when I came back from Munich after the massacre, I was filled with anger. I was so angry. How could they do this to a 27-year-old man who was only a good person? He didn't do anything to anyone. And I was in the room right after, a few hours after the massacre. And I looked around and I saw the blood coming down the stairs and I saw the, the, the bullet holes in the, in the walls. And I, I saw that they, the chaos in that room where they were kept hostage was enormous with all the blood all over the place. And they brought them food, but nobody wanted to eat, of course. And they didn't let them go to the bath. It, it was a, a, a terrible disaster. And I was standing there and I said, is this the place where my peace loving young husband who just had a baby daughter, you know, if that's what he spent his last hours mm -hmm. of his life, I cannot stop talking about it. I have to tell about it so that it will not happen again. And, you know, but I came home and I was very, very angry uh, the first couple of months. And then at one point I, I took uh, a hold of myself and I said, how can I raise my baby daughter with hate in my heart? I cannot do that. I have to make a switch. I must make a switch because you cannot raise children with hate in your heart. And um, if, I, if you allow me, when we went in Atlanta in 1996, there were Olympic Games, and we decided to bring all the orphans. There were 14 children left oh. 
after after the athletes were murdered. Four of them were not married, but there were 14 kids. They, in the meanwhile, they were teenagers. And I decided to take them to the Olympic Games in Munich because they lived their whole life in the shadow of the Olympics. And I wanted to show them the glory of oh, how the, nice. the teams come in. And then I heard that the Palestinian team for the first time was walking also inside the stadium. So I gathered the kids and I said, look, there is a Palestinian team uh, coming in. What a delegation also, together with all the other delegations. What are you going to do? And they looked at me, all of these kids, and they said, oh, we are going to do the same thing as we do to the other delegations. We are going to stand up and applaud them because they have nothing to do with what happened to our fathers. That was many years ago. And these are also athletes. And I looked at them and I thought to myself, well, that's victory. This is what I wanted, not to raise these kids with hate in their heart because they didn't have hate in their heart. And then in the aftermath of the opening ceremony, I tried to find the, the delegation leader and I found him, a Palestinian guy. And I said, look, tomorrow we have a big uh, memorial service in Atlanta uh, we would, and all the kids are here. Would you please come? if you are more than invited to, to meet them. And he came with his delegation. There were four or five people and they came and they met the, the kids and they embraced each other and they were together with us at the uh, memorial service. And I think that was for me, my personal biggest victory that there was no hate. Beautiful. Thank you. So actually what I, with that, and, and I'm going to ask you the question, although I think you may have just answered the question that I was going to answer you. I want to go around and just ask you each some, one more question. I'm trying to then to scroll through the, the beautiful comments that are coming in on the Q and A and I, everyone watching, we're going to try and get to them. And uh, also I realized that as soon as the, I don't know if we get to save these comments. I think we do, but I want to share them with you all so you can see the beautiful comments and encouragement that are coming in from people um, around the world uh, on all of your behalf. Um, but Anki, I was going to ask you a question. Can you share something positive, something even hopeful that's come out of, uh, the, that's come out of this? Was that maybe your answer in terms of bringing the kids or, or, or is there something else that you can think of if I point that question to you specifically? No, I, I think the, the, for me, the positive thing is that there are still Olympics and that Israel is participating as a full-time members and with very, very good results. And for us, that is closing the circle. If our athletes like Uri and Viti and the other candidates, if they are going to the Olympics, and they are going to be part of this whole experience. I said, that is, that is for us the closing of the circle. That's the answer to this terrible massacre. So we should, we're never going to forget the massacre. We're never going to forget um, our athletes. Uh, but, but we also hope that, that kind of in a sense that, that what Ori was saying, that he'd rather be known for the, just for the bronze than, than for the uh, incident with the Egyptian Let's hope that Ori will continue to bring home medals. Beatty will get her opportunity uh, to compete, not on Shabbat, and bring home a medal, and that we'll have many other. So we have that that sad history, but that that, that sad history will always continue to uh, be the foundation for something that's beautiful and and, and inspiring. And I think all of you have uh, said that in a different way. Ori, since you're the only one here right now who's actually won an Olympic medal so far. Um, 
that was a, that was a wink at you, Beatty. <laughs> um, wh what was that like? What were you thinking? I watched the video. I encourage people to go onto our YouTube and, and, and look at it. You were so emotional. What was going on in your mind? First of all, I want to say to Bitty that uh, I heard you and you gave me a lot of inspiration. So thank you. Really, your story is amazing. Amazing. Thank you for sharing us for me. Um, so about your question. That was the most happy moment in my life because I was dreaming to be an Olympic medalist since I was nine years old. You know, you go to sleep with, with the thought that your medal is on your neck. Uh, you just, every day I get better and better for, for this, for, for this goal, to be an Olympic medalist. And you know, you pass a lot. You, you, I had hinges in my uh, hand in my knee, I broke the, leg, the, I broke the ligament uh, twice. Uh, I, many times I wasn't believed believe myself. I, was, I had big problem with, with uh, believing, actually. Uh, long, long, for a long time, I saw myself as a, as a cat, not as a lion, you know? And I did my uh, breakthrough in 2015, when I was a silver medalist in the European Championship in uh, Kazan sorry, in uh, Baku, European Games. Since then, uh, something changed in my mind. I started to believe myself much more than, than, than ever. And I, I was looking at the ranking list, the world ranking list, saw myself at the top 20, and I, I told myself, if I'm in the top 20, why I cannot be in the top three in the world? So it was like, step by step, I, I did my best Every day, every competition, I was trying to be better. When I lost, of course, I was sad. But the day after, I, I woke up and told myself, come on, go to training, trying to throw the opponents and do your best. This is the main goal. This is the most important. Fight like a warrior. Don't afraid from nothing. I mean, everyone afraid. But get it. Um, you know, I have a tattoo here. Fear is only a state of mind. I did it when I was when I was 23, and I really believed that everyone have fears. Everyone have uh, everyone not sure about about their about their confidence, about their about themselves. But if they uh, if you put like a small mission and another mission and another mission, you you become a champion. This is the way. So I so this was my this was my my this was my the most important for me every day to wake up in the morning, to eat good. Uh, and as you can see, I eat good. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm fighting in the weight, uh, 100 plus kilograms in pounds. I don't know exactly, but I'm fighting against huge monsters, people. And what's so beautiful in judo that you don't need to be so such a big and strong to beat the others. You need to be clever. You need to be fast. Yeah, you need to be smart and you need to be brave. And this, all those things I'm trying to, to get better and better every day. And I think the judo made me a better person. Because of nice. the judo, I'm who I, I'm who I am right now. Nice. nice. That's beautiful. Well, we're grateful. First of all, you, you, you are a wonderful inspiration to us and we're grateful for you. So 
So uh, keep it up, and we're going to continue to pray that you are, you you remain successful. Um, I, I just want to give a, a note to Donna Calcaterra, who's going to come on with the official last question. So Donna, if you want to turn on your mic and unmute. But before that, Beatty, I'd like to come to you with a kind of a couple of questions wrapped into one. We have one of our board members, Dr. Dave Pitcher, who's also a marathon runner watching, and he's asked two questions that, that are le not leading into, but I'm asking anyway if you can answer. First of all, he wants to know who originated calling you Speedy Beatty. He wants to know if it was one of your kids. And the other, the other question is, what's your favorite marathon uh, that you've run so far? Um, may, maybe answer those, and then I want to give you the, while Donna comes on, I want to give you my kind of more significant, uh, no, a, a little bit of a deeper uh, question. Um, the funny thing about Speedy Beatty is that when I was younger in, in elementary school, we used to just play like ball games, but I would always be the one that if the ball went out, I'd like run really fast and get the ball. <laughs> so my friends would kind of joke I was Speedy Beatty, but like I never thought it would come back to kind of, you know, be my claim to fame much later on in life. Um, and in terms of marathons, um, Tiberia has a really special place in my heart because I had Tiberius for those who are not English. Tiberius, yes. I just had two amazing marathon experiences there, even though I will say that it's a boring course. It's not a very nice, like it's, it's beautiful, but it's like pretty boring route, but just the experiences I had there were very powerful for me. So well, some some people, thank you. So before some people don't know, we had invited you to participate in our Run for Zion program, which is around the Jerusalem Marathon this past March. And of course, that was canceled along with half of the other things in the world that have been canceled since March. Um, but hopefully, whether we have when we have participants coming in, uh, Elizabeth Wong is a, also a marathon runner who's watching. Um, and hopefully, when they get to come back and run Jerusalem, we'll get to connect you. Uh, I want to I want to end. I see Donna, you're we don't see you, but I, oh, there we are. Great. So just hold on for a minute and then you're going to have a minute. I'd like to ask Beatty, since we're now just over a week away from Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur in, in, in Judaism, it's the 10 days of repentance, the, the most sincere uh, holy time of year. Uh, so in preparing, I just kind of like your thoughts and feedback on this. In preparing for, for the program today, I kind of started thinking of mar a marathon as a metaphor for the season that we're in. And I don't know, I'm not a runner. I've never run. Um, but but when you're at some point in a marathon, you're pushing, you're giving every little bit of energy you've got in order to make sure you finish well. And I think that's, the, that's kind of like the season that we're in now spiritually. And then yet again, um, you never stop eating and you never stop running because just as the one year be ends, we're accountable for the next year and the next year begins. What do you think of that metaphor and what kind of inspiration, whether, whether something crazy Jonathan just said or, or something of your own, that as we are on this, in this awesome season, what sort of inspiration, uh, inspirational thoughts can you share um, as an Orthodox woman, as a runner, someone with aspirations to go much higher. Yeah, to me, running is the greatest metaphor for life. Every time I come back from a run, I have some other new insight into just like my own personal life that I've, I've thought of on the run and I see so many parallels. In terms of, I think for me, what a marathon teaches us is just like, it's an opportunity to 
when I, I say it's not about what does winning a marathon mean to me it's not about being the first one in the race or getting the gold medal or whatever it's about winning a marathon means showing up on that day and getting the most out of yourself doing the best possible time you could and at the end of the race it's like you're fighting for seconds i remember when i ran the 232 in Tavaria, i I was the the final kilometers of that race were were so difficult, but I was so focused on I'm not going to give up one second here, and I crossed the finish line knowing that I had gotten every single like bit out of myself. And on Rosh Hashanah, what we what we do is we come before God and we say like, God, I want to take the I want to take advantage of everything in this world. Like I'm here to get the best out of myself. I want to become the best version of what I possibly can be. That's what I'm here for. And that's why you should give me another year of life yeah. in this world. Cause like, I'm going to maximize my potential. So I think what I love about running is that it puts that spiritual process into a very tangible, real like experience. And when you go through that, you could then translate it to all the spiritual growth that you want, all the obstacles you experience, on a personal level and becoming the best version of yourself. That is beautiful. Thank you. So I just introducing, uh, I didn't introduce Donna properly. I will. Um, our good friend, Pastor Ray Hardy, who's, who's with us from just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, who's also a marathon runner. Ray, we don't see you. Um, and who uh, ran the Jerusalem Marathon in just a little more time than you did, uh, Beatty, when he was here with us in 2019. Uh, Ray, we're looking for you. So you, there you are. Hi, friends. Great to see you. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's, it's awesome to be able to be able to connect with many of you. I think that today can be encapsulated. I'd like to say something specifically to um, Ori and Beatty and Anki. You know, there's a scripture from Isaiah chapter 62. Nations shall perceive your righteousness and all the kings your honor. And you should be called a new name which the mouth of God shall articulate. And you shall be a crown of splendor in the hand of God and a royal headdress in the palm of your hand of your God. Show no longer, it shall, shall no, show no longer be said of you, forsaken one, or of your land no longer be said, desolate place for you, shall be called my desire is in her, and your land settled for God's desire is in you and your land shall be settled. Such a great metaphor to be able to thank you for what you have done in the past, Anki, what you're doing, Beatty and Ori now in the present for the future. And it's just such an honor to be able to now make a, an appeal that I have put my money to my mouth with in the past. Um, we want to ask you to support the work of what the Genesis 123 Foundation is doing. And as you're doing so, I would like to take just about 30 seconds as you're considering to do that. Jonathan is gonna be putting up information about how you can go through the process of donating. but Anki, I would like to take this moment for us to take 30 seconds to be silent, to remember those who gave their lives in this honorable way, and also those in the present, Ori and Beatty, who are making this step to continue to represent God in such a powerful way. Let's pause for about 30 seconds if we can, and then I will pray. Dear God, our Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the gift of these who have given their lives so that you might be honored. And so now, Father, we honor you with the first fruits of what you give to us. 
And we thank you, God, for what you were going to do with this offering, with this gift back to you and this great Genesis 1-2-3 Foundation, Inspiration for Zion, Run for Zion, and all the things that are going around the world. We pray your blessings on Anki, on Beatty, on Ori, on Jonathan for drawing us together. In your powerful and mighty name, God, we ask. Amen. We're so grateful that this podcast is sponsored by our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're in the area and need something from a greenhouse, please pop in or just go say hi and thank them for making this program possible. Also, thank you to the Coin family for their meaningful sponsorship that helps make this program possible. Inspiration from Zion and all the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations, so please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and to build bridges. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or some special occasion in your life, please be in touch at genesis123.co or our email, inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your comments as part of a dialogue, and please send any questions you have as well, especially questions you have about Judaism for the Ask the Rabbi programs that we're continuing to produce right here. Please share this with others who will find it of interest as well, and continue to join us as we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics related to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy right here from the Judean mountains and look forward to speaking with you again. God bless you.